the after dark. After dark. Are you uh. for the after dark? After dark. <laughs> it is me, Olivia Broussard at AV Club on Twitter, and I'm so excited to welcome dear friend of the show. <laughs> <laughs> friend of the show my friend trevor hello trevor at get no one knows how to pronounce it it's um it's like just uh just google the Stephen a smith tweet and that'll be my at oh okay yeah cool. yeah that, that's the one um <laughs> hi hi Liv. hi it's great to be here i've i've really i've enjoyed listening to your show Thank you. I've um, enjoyed doing my show. I'm so glad that you were able to join uh, join me on my show. <laughs> I know. I know. This is so strange. It's like it's gonna take a lot to get used to. Um. Yeah. No. It's 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 really cool. Actually, I'm I'm excited to I'm excited to be here too because it's been super fun listening to you uh, to you and Kurt go through these stories. I actually. The Kill Switch story I had never read before. This is I I had definitely read Ben Drowned and my and my um, share of uh, Pokemon creepypasta, but I had never uh, seen the Kill Switch story, and it's very cool. Yeah, it's so good, um, and I love that it was something that was a little bit different in that it wasn't based on a real game, and it was like its own. Um its own video game horror story, which I feel like we should see more of. Yeah, I think that's the spookiest kind of thing. I um like before we I was I was coming on the show, I was I was thinking, I was like, oh, I don't know if I have to get a uh now I know how my guests feel. Uh they're like just like what do I have to get together? And they they come up with a lot of stuff and then I'm like, oh no, I was like, you talk about whatever. Um Yeah, you, so you, I didn't even introduce that. Like we are not doing a creepy pasta this episode. This is an after dark episode. And are you afraid of the after dark after dark episode? We'll just be um talking about horror and spooky things and i've got all these questions for trevor <laughs> i'm super excited i'm so excited um but no like it's it, I, I was thinking about like how the creepypastas i i like best about video games are the ones that are really really like strange or completely original like there's a there's a sonic the hedgehog 2 creepypasta mm-hmm. that is uh just a it's supposed to be a walkthrough of sonic the hedgehog 2 but it's just this guy talking about playing it at his friend's house while like something truly horrific and monstrous happens outside of the room and he can't <laughs> he can't see what it is and like his friend's parents are like turning into monsters or hurting you it, it, it's very very weird um and it, that sounds but it's like awesome yeah but the sonic stuff is is completely straight like there's no it's not haunted or anything it's just sonic 2 <laughs> so, <laughs> It's really weird, um, and then of course, like all the all the ones about original ones. Like uh, there was there was you know one where this kid was like, oh, I found a found a Super NES cartridge at my brother's that I, I had never seen before, and uh, he plays it, and people start dying, and you know it's half baked, but it's like the cool part about it. And I think you and Kurt touched on this was like it's super cool to think about something that is haunted and doesn't exist but hey maybe it could because like i've never actually played this game maybe it's real Mm -hmm. and it was like in the time where you couldn't really just like fact check everything like maybe there maybe this is a game i've you know like i've never heard of this cartridge but i don't really have a great way to check um so right exactly yeah it's it's i don't know it's such a it's such a cool I don't know. You guys came up with so many. I just, I, I really, I really super loved listening to all of your work because, like, 
the like even in the Ben Drowned episode where you got in your feet, like there was the point where you you were both like, you know, this is it's amazing. This guy wrote this story and didn't even know if people would read it. Like, can you can you even imagine? I was like, I never would have thought of that, but that is almost crushingly beautiful <laughs> to imagine. Like, I know it's the fragility of it. It's, so it's good. wonderful. It's yeah. But I'm I'm talking to you. I'm I'm gushing about your show, uh, which is <laughs> not something you. I get to do very often. I don't, not, people don't have <laughs> me on the show what enough. You, to... What you have people on your show to do? Yeah. To say to... all right now. Now here's the comment uh, corner. Give me the okay. Good stuff. All right, come on. Like, <laughs> tell me why I'm good. Uh, <laughs> that's usually. I mean, you know, if there's any other reason I have a podcast, I've yet to hear, hear it. Um, but yeah, I, so so ask uh, ask away. I'm I'm excited. I want I want I want the experience of being asked a bunch of questions. Well, hopefully, at least some people are joining us on Halloween Day. I hope um, so too. I oh, so cool. Yeah, I'm. I've been so excited. This is my favorite holiday. In that, like, I know people are going to be like, oh, it's whatever it is, your favorite holiday. But I love that it's like a holiday. It's kind of like Mardi Gras for me, actually, because they're both. That's high praise. Yeah. They're both holidays that are just about having fun. And it's not really about obligations at all. Like, I'm sure if you have, like, big social circles, then you're like, oh, whose Halloween party do I have to go to? But I don't have that problem. I just think Halloween's fun. Like, I've been watching. (laughs) No. Let it be known, Liv is not, like, a social pariah. She has friends. I do have friends, but I don't have, like, conflicting friend groups or, and you know, like, Halloween's on a Thursday. Um, right. I'm not, like, going to go out on Halloween night. I believe I've, most people who, like, partied on Halloween did it last weekend. Yeah, and, like, that honestly doesn't really appeal to me. I mean, Sounds like, if I, if I lived in, like, a big city, it probably would, but it doesn't really, like, there wouldn't be enough people doing it here to make it feel like it was, like, very Halloween-y. Do you like, I mean, and I'm asking you this question, but I, I have to, is, is like, do you like doing Halloween before Halloween? Like, does, or does that, like, I hate dressing up before it's Halloween. Um, yeah. Like, if well, you went to a party really, on the 26th or something. I guess I wouldn't mind that. I've never really had that opportunity, I don't think. Mm. Um, none of my friends here are really into Halloween. Like, okay. Um, I think part of that is just like I would be very young in New York City years but I'm like at the age like 27 here is like you should be married and have a couple kids so not not that many people are like you know my age are going out or like looking to have like those kind of parties and you're married but you only have one kid (laughs) I have two beautiful rats thank you Even even that is a is a figure of speech, but they are beautiful rats. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's. Um, I, I can understand that. I guess like, I guess I just don't really. For me, like Halloween is all about, and this is kind of like what you were saying. Like, for me, Halloween is all about, you know, like, the spirit of things and enjoying mm-hmm. that. Like, the party stuff never really does much for me. Like, it can be fun to get together with friends, but. I don't need to get drunk. Like, it's, you know, whatever. Yeah. Well, I've really been enjoying every single October. I, like, get in the spirit as far as, like, I try to watch mostly horror films um, during October. And, like, September this year, I was only reading gothic novels. And then October, I've been, like, I've still had, like, some gothic novels left over, but I've mostly been trying to read horror. Um, So, like, I I usually theme, like, 
my reading and my movie watching and like any kind of I love fall and we don't really have fall in Louisiana like we don't have like the big autumn leaves changing colors and everything so I kind of have to put it on um so like I always have like autumn scented like candles and like I try to like make myself feel in the spirit and make myself like um feel like I'm living in a different season than just like continued summer like we've only had like a week or two um since it's been like a hundred every day so good visualization tactics yeah I like feeling like there's seasons here and like dividing up my year so it doesn't just feel like you know summer for nine months and then yeah. for three or whatever <laughs> i can understand that i think like yeah i mean that totally makes sense i um i've never lived in a place without seasons um and i've always kind of not that not that louisiana doesn't have seasons but it has fewer seasons i guess than other spots um no, yeah i i hmm? <laughs> it doesn't really have seasons well it kind of has a winter right <laughs> like, yeah it goes from like our winter is our winter is pretty cold because it's so wet. Like it's not enjoyable. But we don't oh. have like that crisp autumn time or like a crisp springtime. It's either like wet hot summer or wet cold winter. <laughs> wet hot summer sounds like a teen uh like coming of age romp. Is that a joke? Like a movie? That is a like, movie. Um what well, wait. Like it, wet hot American summer. What is that movie called? Is it Paul something? Rudd is it is it wet hot American summer? Hot what? Someone's gonna hot know. something American summer. It's wet hot American summer. And some... uh, okay, so that's why it sounds like it because it is one. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad I'm glad we cleared that up. <laughs> wet hot American summer. I think that's right. I mean, <laughs> sounds right to me. Honestly, I. I couldn't tell you, I think. Um, I guess maybe I thought it was Red Hot American Summer, which is, that's not. Th- that's not a comedy. That's like, that's just like a, a hot rod movie from the 50s. <laughs> it's going to um, like a, I don't know, noir. Yeah, right. <laughs> I'd like to watch a noir teen sex romp. That would be very strange. <laughs> yeah. Are you a Halloween person? Like, is that something that's so, been important uh, to you? I like Halloween and I like horror a lot and I like all of the trappings. Um, I do not like dressing up. I'm not a big dressing up person. Um, mm-hmm. It doesn't really do it for me. I um, I don't know. Like I, I maybe it's because I'm embarrassed. I'm not entirely sure why I don't like dressing up so much, but um, it just has never been something that really appeals to me. And uh, as a result, I can only get so far into like the Halloween spirit because most people who are really into Halloween love dressing up. I mean, understandably. Um, you know, that said, I like trick-or-treating with my, um, I like trick-or-treating with Tilly. Um, I like going out and seeing what everyone's doing. That's fun. Um, I like the decorations. I really like horror movies. Uh, and I like horror novels, too. So, like, a lot of the trappings very much interest me. The time of year is really cool. I just don't like one of the main parts of it. Maybe the key part of it. I know, right? Like, I just, I've never been good at dressing up. I always come up with terrible costumes. Like, I just like the worst. And and it, it definitely started when I was a kid. And I would just like, I would just kind of do lazy costumes. Because like, 
don't know. I'm not really even sure why. I just, I guess I just wanted to go out and, um, I guess I just wanted to go out and trick or treat and I didn't really want to think through it. So I would be like, you know, a mad doctor and take one of my stepdad's scrubs and like put some blood on it or whatever. Like, that's uh, very. I tell you, I follow you on Twitter and you often are a mad doctor. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> goodness gracious. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if only if only I could have known what a podcaster was, that would have made a great Halloween costume. Oh. Scariest thing. I would scare my parents, for sure. That's right. <laughs> and you know what? I'm right to say it. Uh, Let's talk about horror movies. What is your favorite yes. horror movie? My favorite horror movie. I actually do have a favorite horror movie, which is a funny thing, because I never, I can't pick favorites. I'm super bad at it. Um, we've talked about this before, I'm sure, but like, I'm horrible with top 10 lists or whatever. Mm -hmm. My favorite horror movie is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I think it is maybe a perfect movie. It's really, really good. It's It's, so good. Yeah, it's really good. (laughs) I I, I like choice. Thank you. I, I honestly like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is, is like one of the funniest, uh, teaching choices I ever made too, because I was teaching... I TA'd a film class and at UIC, um, you know, like what, uh, uh, where I got my PhD, if you, if you TA something, even if it's like you're TAing it primarily because you, um, <laughs> primarily because you are, um, the only person who can and the teacher just desperately needs someone, um, you still get to teach it in the summer if you're around, like you can teach a solo course of it. So, I have no film background, but I TA'd American <laughs> film for, or not American film, just like film history for a year. And I got to teach it in the summer as a result. So I got to pick every film. And I was like, oh, I'm doing genre fiction. This is, this is going to be great. And for horror, I'm teaching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And I don't know if my students liked it, um, but I definitely taught it. That was on my first and last draft of the syllabus. It never left. Um, and many other horror films did. I wanted to show, I wanted to show some of the, some of the ones I really like that, um, you know, like uh, sort of more modern ones. Like I wanted to show stuff like The Guest. I don't know if you've seen that or if that really counts as horror. Um, but that's what the, the guy who played the sort of main love interest in Downton Abbey until he, spoiler alert, uh, dies. Um, <laughs> Dan Hodges, Dan, Dan something. Um, I don't think I've seen that. It's very good. It It's super John Carpenter-ish. Oh, um, I love John Carpenter. You'll, you'll like it, I think. It's very, um, it's like ultra self-aware, very sort of like neon, but not in a super nostalgic way. And like, it does the John Carpenter thing in his more sort of like out there movies of, you know, like introducing a crazy plot point and never exactly explaining all of it. It just kind of like exists as a part of the world. You shouldn't um, have to. Yeah. That's what makes it a movie. You don't have to explain everything. You can just show people stuff. I totally agree. Like, the the twist in that movie, and I won't give it away. Yeah, don't it's spoil worth any of this. Come I, on. I won't. No, no, you gotta watch it. Um, but the twist <laughs> in the movie is, like, I don't know if I even call it a twist, because it's, like, it's a turn, I guess you you would say. But, like, mm-hmm. it it's not like it, it like, it kind of comes out of nowhere, but it's not as if, like, it's... You'd be like, oh, I, could, I, I knew it. I should have seen it coming. It's like, oh, all right. I guess this is where the movie's going now. I guess we're going to just go with it. And it works. Like, it's so good for that. Um, 
No, I, 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 you know, I could go on and on. But what are some of your favorite horror movies? What's your favorite? Well, my favorite horror movie, my favorite movie of all time is Suspiria. The oh, original Suspiria. great choice. Um, I saw that for the first time whenever I was like a teenager with my best friend. And then I got to see it whenever they did like the 4K restoration of it. I saw that in um, New Orleans at the Britannia Theater, which is like the only single screen theater that's still in Louisiana, I believe. Isn't that um, where you saw, didn't Goblin Live score that one? Is that when you no, saw that? No, I saw um, Goblin Live in, with Suspiria in um, in Austin at uh, Emo's, at Come and Take It. <laughs> so cool. In Austin. I, yeah, I realized I was already planning a trip to Austin, and then like the day before I was going to leave, I realized that there was like a matinee of Suspiria <laughs> with Goblin playing the score live at like noon and so Austin's six hours away and I was like already 10 o'clock at night and I was like fuck it I gotta I gotta go there's no way I can miss this so yeah it was very very cool I mean how I I don't know how you couldn't like if you are within six hours and you have the means I think that's like a must drive yeah and they do it um I mean there's like Mr. Goblin and then there's the rest of them um But Mr. Goblin, I think, does this uh, pretty pretty frequently. Um, but yeah, you should check out if uh, Goblin's ever on tour. You should definitely go see it. It was very cool. Oh, absolutely. I've like have you I've have you seen a lot of like older bands that you like like um, like bands that are from a time that isn't necessarily your time because Goblin was like bigger in the se- in the seventies and eighties. I would say um, mm. when we weren't listening to them. Uh, no. I don't think so. I didn't okay. really have the like means to go see people until like the past couple of years. So like oh, I okay. did see people that I like at music festivals. Like I saw Emmylou Harris and like George Clinton at oh, cool. um, like the music festival in my hometown. So I would consider that like not necessarily my time. But um, I haven't seen like a significant amount of people live just because I didn't have the you know, I not a lot of people came to my hometown, and not a lot of people really came to Baton Rouge whenever I was at LSU either. Mm. Um, just because New Orleans is so close that, like, where you would think a lot of people would come to the state capital, they would rather just go to New Orleans if they're going to stop in Louisiana. Yeah, that's which makes tough. Sense. That's tough. So. Well, yeah, no, I guess I can understand that. I um, the reason I ask is, is like I the I've seen a few, like a handful of of bands that. I've mostly enjoyed uh, from afar and like when they were kind of, I guess, I don't know if I would say younger, um, but like when, when they were more popular, when I was not alive um, or listening to them as the case may be. And uh, it always rocks. Like it's always so good. Um, and like yeah. the, the best part, like I, I remember like my favorite one of these was I went to go see uh, flower traveling band, which if you haven't heard them, they're really good. They're a, um, they're kind of like a doom band, uh, sort of proto. They're, they're a little like black Sabbath, but heavier. And they're mm-hmm. from the same time as black Sabbath. And, um, they're a Japanese band. They're very good. Um, and they played, uh, the show in Philly. And I mean, it was probably maybe like 10 years ago, but at the time they were, you know, still pretty old men and uh and they wanted to play their new stuff so they played this like 
truly awful music. <laughs> it was so bad. It was like it was like music you might hear on like a cruise deck. Um it was miserable. And like all these metalheads were there <laughs> and they were so angry <laughs> and so many of them left. And then like I kind of suffered through it, but I brought a friend who I was like you gotta see this band. They are so good. You will not regret it. Like this is like the best band. And I was like, oh jeez, I'm so embarrassed. This is not good. And then at the end, they were like, okay, so uh, now we'll play Hiroshima, which is their like their big uh, song and slash album. And they played the whole thing, and it was just so good. I was like, yes, I, I passed the test. I passed the test of this older band. I did it. Um, and I'm I feel so like proud of you. Thank you. I feel like I feel like bands who have like been around for a while can sometimes pull that where they're just like, oh, we're just going to do our own thing. Like Mr. Goblin being like the main guy <laughs> like that. You can't do that anymore. I strongly considered going to see Iron Maiden in Dallas, which was like <sighs> just a couple weeks ago, I believe. Maiden's so um, fun live. But it's it's not too far for like a weekend, but I I don't know. It was going to be like over a hundred dollars to like have like nosebleed seats and it was going to be, it's not cheap. It's about like a seven hour round trip. And it just did not seem like something I, that was really feasible, especially because I was going to have to go by myself and I don't know. That's a lot. Yeah. I don't blame you. I did see Maiden with, uh, that was the other kind of like old, old band. One of the other old bands I saw was Maiden with, um, Dio and Motorhead. And that was very mm. cool. Um, yeah. Back before a bunch of those people died. But Maiden is still so good. And oh, like, so good. Um, so I'm... Every tour that passes that I did not see them on, I feel like is uh, a foolish a foolish choice on my part because there's only so many tours left, I'm sorry to say. <laughs> no, no, no. Come on. <laughs> I'd say they made a pact with, with Satan, but they're all Christians. Which is very weird. Did you know that? It makes a lot of sense to me. They all seem very like English Christians that just like reading history and like reading some books. They seem very chill. They yeah, I think they are. I think maybe a while for like a while they were pretty wild because like I think everyone kind of was at that period of time. But like I think that now they're they're very very chill. I feel um, like probably all of them play like the the train simulator games yeah i could see that i mean they're on the road all the time they probably have some some opinions right like i would well bruce dickinson's like a pilot so i I don't think that he i think he would have strong transportation opinions i would think he would play flight simulators yeah i think pilots don't really like trains and cars (laughs) is that that fair (sighs) i don't want to I don't want to make it seem like maybe train. I don't want to. I don't want to typecast pilots. But any pilots listening, please let me know. <laughs> yeah, to all pilots. Do you have a favorite uh, horror novel? I didn't realize you read horror books. Yeah, I, I I do when I can. Um, I have very bad luck picking horror novels. I'll often pick one. It's that hard. It, yeah, I'll pick really cheesy ones and not enjoy them at all. Um. Gothic novels are some of my favorites. Um, I was really, it was cool to hear that you were reading those because some of those aren't like, I don't know, like aren't particularly scary necessarily. Like I wouldn't say like, you know, the monk is scary, Um, but it's weirdly like unnerving and sublime in a way that is just like 
as close to scary as sometimes you can get. Um, but I will say my favorite horror novel is probably um, House of Leaves by Mark Danielewski. Oh, I still, I, that's been on my shelf forever. And I was thinking, like, maybe I'll get to that this October because I feel like you have to really... Uh, you have to commit. Yeah, you have to commit to it. You have to have the a right energy going into it. I don't think it's, like, one that you can just, like, pick up one day and start. Yeah, I mean, I will say about it, like, it is a little more intimidating than it probably has any right to be because, like, the story itself is just kind of a story. Like, there's a bunch of little, like, footnotes and stuff, and it's, it can be tricky to read, but, like, the actual narrative in it is fairly straightforward. Um, even though it's kind of, like, multi-tiered, it's, it's not too hard to follow. But... It is a it is a fun book to kind of fall into. Like you kind of have to be willing to sort of like just get really into that book um, for a little bit. And I I know like it has an obnoxious fan base and stuff like that, but it is a very good book. I think I really enjoyed it. What's your favorite horror novel? Is it The Monk? It's not The Monk. I haven't even read The Monk yet. It's uh, one that I picked up for this month and just did not get the. There's only so many books that you can read in a month. No, totally, totally reasonable. Some of those Victorian Gothic novels are... They're going to have the monk next year. I know it. I know they're going to have the monk next year. (laughs) Um, I really like... um, I like The Case Against Satan by Ray Russell, which is um, like the first kind of modern exorcism novel that came Hmm. before The Exorcist. um, And it's on, on the different side. I feel like... Maybe it's not my favorite, but I do feel like it's underrated. And so if someone's looking for something in the horror genre that I would recommend that to them. Um, This month I read uh, Revenge by Yoko Agawa, which is a short story collection. Um, And it starts very normal. And then like you go to the next story, like the first story is like it mentions like a murder or something and like, but it's pretty normal um and then like the next story gets a little bit weirder but then it makes reference to the story before it and like they all like reference the stories before them in like a weird unnerving way oh cool um and so it was a very very fast read i don't even think it breaks the 200 page mark so it's like i read it in a day very fast um that's i would sweet. definitely recommend that one okay that sounds great I know yeah. that you you really liked um, you read you read uh, Uzumaki this year too, right? I did. Yep. Yeah, I counts. liked that a lot. That's um, that was like watching a movie. It's like watching a horror movie, but it had so many cool ideas in it, and like so many things I'd never seen before. And like it wasn't particularly scary, and I don't really even feel like it t- told that great of a story. But it showed me so many things I hadn't seen before. It was a very, like, Hellraiser-like experience. Yeah, another one of my favorites. Oh, um, yeah. Just for, I just for I, again, just because, like, it attempts so much. I don't know if I'd say Hellraiser even succeeds at everything it tries, but it sure tries a lot. Well, I, I just rewatched Hellraiser this past week mm-hmm. with, with my boyfriend. Um, and... I always forget how little of the Cenobites are in the first movie. Oh, yeah. They don't show up until, like, the end. (laughs) Yeah, they're just, like, at the end. And, like, they're so bizarre. And, like, the rest of the movie is just about this, like, other little story. But it's so good. Like, it's so good whenever you're watching something that's, like, fairly restrained. And, like, the story of Hellraiser is, you know, still 
off the wall. Um, but like watching something fairly restrained and then there's like, it just shows you so much at once. And yeah. You, uh, it's overwhelming and you feel like the, the overwhelmed ness of, uh, of the characters. That last, I mean that yeah. last, that last few minutes where it's like, um, where like you, I don't even know how many minutes, maybe 15, 20 minutes where the Cenobites show up. There's the Jesus wept part. They're like, there's the box. So they're all, it's so crazy. Um, the weirdest part of that movie is, um, to me, is that they picked the, the the person they picked to be like the the like completely undeniable like attractive woman who like could lure any man to his death was a um, looked like like a forty two year old British uh, woman who was like had a very long day. Yeah, it, not to judge her, but like it I'm not judging her. No. It didn't show us any of that, like, the seduction part. Just, like, suddenly she would be back at the house with these men. I was yeah. like, good good for you, girl. Like, I but I don't, like, I don't know where she got these men from. <laughs> I feel like they could have, like, I think, like, because, and, and I, I agree, it's not against her. Because, like, I feel like they could have done something to make her, like, make her sexier or, like, directed her in a way to, like, make her character more sexier. Because, like, she wasn't an unattractive woman or anything. It wasn't, like, you know... I'm saying that it's just that like her character truly comes off as like uninterested in sex in any way. And that's also all she does is seduce men. It's very it's cool. It's really good. Yeah. yeah. It rocks once you, once you, once you kind of like accept the logic, it actually gets really cool. I feel like there is a greater horniness to like, British people who seem restrained than there is to like very overtly sexual people. That's probably true. I think like British people who are restrained are, are doing it out of a sense of duty. And like when they feel a sense of duty, it just makes the restraint all the more like powerful. And mm. then they get really, then they get, then they get into some stuff. Yeah. That's right. <laughs> Thank you, Clive Barker. Thank you for Thank you, giving Bar- us this gift. Thank you, Clive Barker. Also, for <laughs> if you pick up any of his novels, immediately, like, just writing the, like, the gayest eroticism of all time, like, instantly whenever you read any of his novels. It's like if you're, if you're picking up his novel from a film, you get, you get a totally different uh, style of storytelling. No, no worse. It's, it's very interesting. But, like, you got to be ready for it. I haven't read any of his um, any of his books, and I don't even think he wrote on this. But I did read one volume of the Hellraiser comics, which I don't know if he knew. Oh, you're right, he did. Yeah, I I think I read some not by him because I was trying to like get to the ones by him, and I was not impressed. So I didn't. No, I never but made it, it to his, which seems I silly in retrospect. I didn't love it, but it was additionally cool stuff to look at. Do you have a favorite horror comic? Ooh, good question. Um, favorite horror comic? Yeah, I've read. A, I've, re- I've read a few. Um, I think the one that scared me the most when I was reading it was from Hell, uh, which isn't specifically a horror comic, but has a lot of gore and is a little scary to to deal with. Um, I'm trying to think of like what my favorite scary like actual horror comic would be. I think Hellblazer's pretty cool, but I don't know if I would call that scary. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Do you have one? It's it's tough, right? Because, like, 
I don't know how scary comics are. Yeah, I the only series that I read was Lock and Key, which I read all of it and I enjoyed it, but I wouldn't say that I like it was entertaining. I don't know mm-hmm. that I would say that I yeah. loved it. Um I read an Alan I, Moore scary thing that was like three I think what's it called like the the parking lot or something like that and it was like three issues long and it was cool and the 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 twist was neat but like I don't even know what it was really called, and I certainly wouldn't recommend people, like, go out of their way to find it. <laughs> so, like, that's another thing, you know? It's, I yeah, I can't I can't come up with one that, like, worked with distinction. I guess Junji Ito is probably, yeah. like, anything by him is probably where I would go. Yeah, I would recommend his, um, the one about his cats. That's not even mm. a horror one, but, like, it's so good. And, like, if you have cats, like, it's just... It's so good. It's so spot on and funny. And I love how he represents himself. (laughs) Like he, I feel like has a greater sense of his self in terms of his writing than almost anyone I've seen. Like he just has like such a humor to everything. He's a really interesting guy. The, um, I think it was Viz Comics. I forget. It was one of the people who published anime. Um, Viz sounds right. Or manga rather. But uh, Viz sounds right. Like they had a thing for Halloween where he read. Uh, some of his stories out loud and I only saw the one I should go and see if there are more now but the one was about the it was like with the the red sweater or something like that which I guess the the premise of that story is this guy shows up at his ex-girlfriend's house and he's like you gotta help me um and he's cheated on her with this woman who asks him for his head and he says sure um and then of course she tries to take his head because it's a Junji Ito comic uh he doesn't he doesn't think she's being serious she is and then he's wearing this turtleneck sweater and I think as as it goes on, it turns out that that is the only thing holding his head on anymore. But um, when Jinji Ito introduces it, he's also wearing the same sweater. And, just, <laughs> and he deadpans the whole thing. It's just so great. It's that is so really good. Great. I feel like there's a couple of horror stories like that. There's like the ribbon one from whatever that story, like the stories that you read whenever you're a kid, like the scary stories. Oh, the, yeah. The scary stories to tell. They're making a movie out of that now. They I already guess. made a movie. Oh that. yeah, okay. No, I guess they it already did. Wasn't good. We don't have to. Walk, we don't have to care about it. I, I, uh, I'm bad that they made a movie out of it. It seems like it's just going to be a waste. But there is um, also a story like that in um, her body and other parties, which is a horror short story collection that came out either this year or last year by. Carmen Maria Machado. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I know um, And it's kind of, like, the first story in it is kind of, like, the same story about, like, this woman who has, like, a very mysterious ribbon around her neck. And it's kind of the same story, but it's more about, like, consent and boundaries and, like, what we allow from um, even, like, our family um, in terms yeah. of ourselves. And- I think I've seen illustrations of that story or ver- I, that that feels like one of those stories that is like an archetype too yeah which in horror is not a bad thing it seems like that is like some of the best horror is archetypical horror well yeah i think that there's horror is i think the the clearest i don't know like vehicle for talking about like social commentary and the things that we worry about and so i feel like it makes sense that you would see common themes and horror and like different explorations of the same idea because 
third in general about the same yeah. fears that many people share. That makes sense. Um, you just gotta show us something new. You gotta show us cool body horror effects. <laughs> have you seen? Have you watched? Um, it, it's hard, and like people don't recommend it anymore because it has James Woods in it, who turned out to be a real jerk. But um, Videodrome. Yeah. Oh, Videodrome, so good. Oh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> it's such a good movie, and like all of the all of the body horror in that movie is so rewarding. It's really, really good. If you do like that, then you should also watch. This is what I'm going to recommend. Um, this is my movie recommendation um, because it's probably the movie that the least people have seen is um, <laughs> Body Melt, which is an Australian Ooh. horror film from like 94. Okay. Um, 93, 94 ish. And it's so good. It's like very punk and just it loves showing you like the. The horror effects and it's um, it's really really good and it doesn't have a cohesive story and it doesn't need a cohesive story. It's just really excited to show you things with a bunch of uh, bogans. Nice, I love it. Yeah, I like i I have a hard time squaring the circle with my en- uh, my enjoyment with body horror and then gore. Like I'm not I'm not as into gore. No. I, and I don't want to see anyone's. I don't want to see anything pop out of anyone with like realistic CGI. I want to see the cool effects. Like I love yeah. watching something like Hellraiser. I don't want to see anything where people are like actually being tortured. And I don't know what exactly the difference is, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, like French No Extremism or, or whatever that's called. Like the the the. The stuff that is, I don't, I don't know, like movies like Martyrs or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, like I like reading. It, it's sort of like it's a little bit like modern art, where um, some modern art I really find like viscerally unappealing, um, and I don't want to actually see it, but I'm happy to read about it. Where it's like, oh, so that's what that was about. All right, cool. Like I can, I can read a summary of these things, and it can be fine. But I would never want to actually see martyrs the movie itself and so like that's an odd thing to me where like i can something like videodrome if you if you described videodrome to me i'd be like oh i have to see that that sounds awesome and i like i need (laughs) to actually see what's happening there like you're saying he puts like a videotape into his stomach that's really cool i want to see how that's done he puts a gun into his stomach oh yeah he puts a gun into his he pulls yeah that's yeah that's a good part too Um, (laughs) I always think about the video. And Debbie Harry's in it. Like, what? What would you not want to see about this? It's all about James Woods. It's all about how cable companies are getting too big with like huge, uh, (laughs) huge uh, uh, satellite dishes. I mean, that's just like it ticks every single box for me. Um, So yeah, like I'd want to see that, but I don't necessarily need to see French No Extremism, even though I get what they're trying to do. Like, I can read about it, and it's like, okay, I get why you made this hyperviolet movie. I get that it's supposed to do something, and, and maybe it actually, like, totally does do something. I just, like, I don't care to see it happen. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't need to, I don't need to be there for this part. Oh, well, and I just like watching movies that are, like, excited to be movies and are happy about being movies, and I don't care to see things that are trying to 
purely emulate real life. Like, it's not that I think it's bad, but it's just not interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like seeing things with lots of colors and, like, the, the high cinematic value to it. Um, pretty looking things. <laughs> I don't need to see anything, like, super realistic. I mean, that's sort of why I like, even though it falls into the, the, the torture kind of arm of things, it's why I like a movie like Funny Games. Because, yeah, like, that's fun. Yeah, and there's enough like weirdness in there where you're like, "What is going on?" And like with the remote and all that, like it's a weird movie. Like you watch it, mm-hmm. you're like, "This is weird." Um, that it that it stays fun. Um, but I think it, even I, something like Saw that's like supposed to be like yeah. there's like a gimmick to it. Like the torture part of it isn't that interesting, but you're kind of like. Huh, I wonder what the contraption is going to be like. That stuff doesn't, like, bother me as much as something that's, like, truly just, like, about people, you know. Yeah. Being at their worst, being tortured. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I watched I watched Saw in theaters um, because I was very excited about it. Saw came out when I was in college, which is uh, very much dating myself, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> um but uh, me and my friend John Kieran went to go see it. Uh, Louisiana's own at this point, John Kieran. I, I feel like he is more Louisian, Louisianan than a New Englander. Uh, but good for him. I feel like he's more Louisianan than me. He, he's, to be quite honest, he's very. He, he, <laughs> he took, contributes more to the culture than I he do. He took to that culture so well. He like he just he kind of like found his niche uh, uh, to to bring up another Junji Ito classic. He found his hole. And uh, <laughs> um, people... and don't we all love finding our holes? <laughs> we sure do. Um, everyone should go read uh, the um, what is it? The Curse of Amagara Fault. Um, have you read that? I know what you're referring to. Uh, Enigma of Amagara Fault. Ooh, I will link it. You can actually link the whole thing. They have it up on Imgur. Um. Imgur? Is that how you pronounce that? I know. Isn't that ridiculous? Is that really how it's pronounced? It is how it's pronounced. Someone someone pronounced it to me once. I will forever say Imgur. You will never hear me say Imgur. Except for right then. <laughs> it produces image. It's an yeah, Imgur. Yeah, I mean, you're probably right. I've heard Imgur so often now. You're probably correct. Like, it, it feels much worse that it would be Imgur. Imgur sounds like a horrible philosopher that I don't want to know anything about. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. Are you ready? Are you ready for some lightning round? I'm kind so of stuff? ready for some lightning round. Hit me with some lightning round. <laughs> so Lightning ground. Um, some <laughs> That's a callback to... Uh, Earlier this episode. <laughs> nope. Not even in this episode. Mm. <laughs> Before we started recording Oh, great. <laughs> that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> Um, so in the Halloween spirit of things, I've got some, um, some props for us. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Okay. First one. Trick. (laughs) Okay. What is your most disappointing game? What tricked you? What was the, the advertisements that tricked you the most? Not of all time, because you've already told me what that one was. I have. Yeah. Um. Of the last five years. The last five years. Um, hmm. Good question. Uh, games that have tricked me the most. I feel like I was a little bit tricked. 
<laughs> this is a funny. This is a funny answer, but I, I also think it's probably the correct one. Um, I feel like I was tricked by Fortnite um, <laughs> because I remember when Fortnite was being developed and it was like a tower defense game. And I was like, oh, that game looks fine for people, but I don't care. Like, who, who cares? It was all PVE. And then everyone got into it. I was like, "What's this? Why, why is everyone into Fortnite?" And they were like, "Oh, it's a it's a game where you play uh, it's one versus a hundred, and it's like the best game ever. People love it." Um, and when I played it, I was like, "This is nothing like what I pictured." I feel like I've been talking about <laughs> a totally different game for about six months, and now I feel like an idiot. Uh, so that was a good trick on the Fortnite developers' part. That was a good trick. Uh, what else? I guess. Um, what other games tricked me? I haven't played a lot of really bad games, although I guess bad isn't necessarily where we're going with this, because there can be games where I expected one thing and got another. Um, oh, I, I know a game that, that tricked me in a good way was uh, Undertale. I thought Undertale was going to be very twee and mm-hmm. um, kind of like, you know, precious and and sort of like kind of good mechanically, but like mostly kind of eye rolly in terms of its plot and it turns out it's it's i mean it's twee but it's also very smart and i super enjoyed it um that was a very pleasant surprise actually i was i was very very pleasantly surprised by that how about you was more of a treat oh something that's more yeah it is more of a treat i guess i guess that's right (laughs) i guess that's right Liv. i guess you know what it is a treat Uh, how about you what are your tricks um none of them I only play the games that I know I'm going to like. I don't know. Um, I think that it honestly is the truth. Like, as I've gotten older, I guess, as more time has passed, it's like, I'll know that a game would be something that I technically like, but would feel like a chore to play. Like, Outer Worlds looks really, really good, but I just know that I don't really like playing games with realistic graphics. Right. it's one that I'll eventually get to, but I don't know that I'm, I don't know. It's not one that I feel like I have to play on day one. Do you, Even though it would be cool to play um, alongside, you know, other people playing for the first time. That's what I was going to say. Do you, do you ever, do you ever, like, um, do you ever, uh, um, I'm trying to think, uh, draft or, or conscript your boyfriend to help you play through these games? Like, so you, you know, you guys can play through them together. Because I know that can make those kinds of games a lot more fun. That would be um, a decent idea. We've we played this weekend. We were playing a game together because um, there's only so many co-op games. It's so sad. Yeah. There's only so many co-op games, and I love puzzle games. Um, so we were playing Forgiveness Escape Room, which is an escape room game on itch. Oh, cool! And um, so like that was a game that we were that I was manning and streaming with him. Um, and it, he had just as much real input on the play as I did because we were just like walking around this room figuring out the puzzles. Did you escape? So like, we, we did. We played lots of the rooms. You like nice. can do a personality test at the beginning, and they're all based on like the seven deadly sins or whatever. But then like you pl- you do the personality test one, you and then you do that room, and then you're like, okay, well, let me go actively try to do all these other ones. I'm going to go ahead and uh, shift this a little bit. Uh, now I'm going well, to be You don't have to do the personality test every time. Oh, you okay. Can, um, the gluttony one was scary. That was really the scariest one. Oh, really? 
It was lucky for him because he didn't have all the sounds. The sound effects and the music, I guess, really sell the horror part of it. Oh, that makes sense, actually. Some of the scariest games are are scary because of, like, the way they immerse you in it. Like, if you mute it, Mm -hmm. it's just like, yeah, who cares? Yeah. On to treat. So we did our trick. Now on to treat. What is your favorite perk in a game? So, like, what's your favorite thing that you get? What's your favorite thing in a game? Like, if you level up that you get a perk or, like, anything that's, like, a incentive to keep playing what's your favorite perk system Hmm, it's a really good my favorite perk system the one that like really works for me is um uh added lore i really really like added lore um if you as a game designer are willing to give me like a couple of extra pieces of information for any given like uh, quest, I will play every quest. Um, I get yelled at for playing the side quests in Final Fantasy XIV because they're pointless in a lot of ways. Like you don't you don't get enough experience, especially later on, to really make it worth your while at all. But I love learning about stuff. I love learning about the lore of a place and like you know various characters, and I like figuring out their stories and stuff. And in some games that are worse, where I'm not enjoying myself, I, it becomes kind of like a an obligation or an obsession. I want to know all the stories and all the things that are happening and have to. Uh, so I guess it's, you know, kind of good and bad. Um, but I honestly, I have so much fun finding out little things, uh, unless they're in audio logs, because I think audio logs are extremely played out. Um, mm. That's yeah, that's my answer. I think the best perk is when people have uh, a lot of really good lore to give you. Yeah. I think that's how an RPG should be played. Yeah. Um, like, I don't think that you should lose that in an MMO in an MMO just because it's not efficient or whatever. And I feel like um, that's kind of like what lost me in WoW was whenever everything was played to be efficient. Like, you should still be able to have, like, a role-playing and, like, lore and stories and everything. Yeah, I yeah, agree. And good I, idea. I guess, like, I guess the thing about Final Fantasy XIV is you totally can do that because there's, like, a ton of game and, and that's fine. But it's also, like well, do you want to get to the good part of the game or not? It's like, well, I do, but I just, I love all the stuff that's happening in the world. Um, and so, you know, it's just like, it's like a little, little honeypot for me. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely <laughs> obsessed with, with finding stuff out. How about you? What's You're your... just a little poo bear sticking your paw oh, in the boy, my whole jar head in there. of lore. Oh. <laughs> Getting your head stuck in the lore pot again. Oh no, Piglet, help me out of the lore <laughs> pot. Piglet, please. <laughs> Um, what is, what is your, what's, what's the perk that gets you playing the most? Hmm. I don't know. See, I was thinking I would just host and not have to have any ideas. Oh, okay. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm just teasing. Um, I don't, I don't know. I really didn't think out answers to these beforehand whenever I was coming up with my questions. Now you're in my shoes again I, too, because I, every time I ask you these questions, you then turn them back on me. Which is fine. <laughs> I always enjoy it, but it is, it is a unique kind of panic where it's like, uh-oh. <laughs> um, I like... I don't know. Okay, like you, I, you don't have to. It feels to. really good whenever it's not something that... Sometimes I get a little bit panicky whenever it's, like, something that changes your play style. Yeah, I get that um, way, too. I like whenever it's just, like, an extra little bonus. Like, I like the Stardew Valley stuff that's, like, you just make more money now. I don't know what to tell you. You just make more money. You're so good. Um, and... 
Yeah, I don't like necessarily like new talents or something that like I have to figure out a new way to play. Mm, I don't yeah. know. That sounds um, very casual of me. But like sometimes it's nice to just have the game tell you you're doing a great job. You don't have to do anything different. It's funny to me that you don't like perks that change your play style when you are such a such a, a you're so good at MMOs, which I feel like in a lot of ways like as you progress through a class, I'm learning that you get new traits that must change your playstyle. Yeah, that's that is true. Um I guess it's just like a different kind of thing. It's definitely overwhelming if you think about it that way from the beginning. But whenever I started playing WoW and like was getting used to the game, it would have overwhelmed me with the talent styles that they have now. But whenever I started playing and how WoW Classic is, is like you'll get something that's like okay, you have plus one attack power now. And it doesn't actually, like, change that much. Like, it's very, very, like, few and far between when yeah. you, you get a talent that actually does anything noticeable, which, like, is what the the devs think is not fun. But I like, I like that style where you're just like, <laughs> okay, well, I guess I'm a little bit stronger now. This feels cool. Like, I'm progressing. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, like, I think there's... I don't know. It feels to me that there's like a it's kind of a mistake to get super upset about that when like there's so many good old games that are basically that just for the entire game. <laughs> like any old RPG is just like, now I'm stronger now. I'll do the same thing again. Like just just kind of lose yourself. Enjoy it. Yeah. And obviously, like it's not for everyone. Like I would completely understand someone wanting something other than like Okay, you just have a static buff now, but like sometimes it's just nice to just just relax. I think Stardew Valley. <laughs> I agree with you one hundred percent about Stardew. That is the most relaxing game um, I've ever played, and it feels so good whenever you get in the upper levels of skills and like you just like wake up one day and like you've gotten the next level because mm-hmm. you don't really know when it's going to happen. You don't see it like really counting up or anything. I really like when you like when you want to do something new, like once you realize that you're not going to get punished for trying new stuff or like doing new stuff, um, that like, it's not going to, the game's not going to get mad at you and you're not going to like, you're not going to end up having to, um, trying to think of how to say this. Like the game's not going to get mad at you and like take stuff away because you've decided to pursue like, you know, x talent as opposed to y talent like it's all fine Mm -hmm. you can just you know have fun do whatever you want at any given time you have all the time in the world um and you can be like oh i guess i guess i'll just go make some wine now for you know it doesn't matter how long it takes i'll just grow some grape trees or grapevines or whatever like it's so fun like that's such a cool thing to do um that that really was something i enjoyed a lot like i was just like you know what i i want to pursue this thing now and then you just could um I don't know if I've ever played a game that is more kind of like open to that sort of approach. Um, yeah. It's, a, it's cool. definitely different from Harvest Moon in that sense where you kind of have to be like min-maxing your money oh, too yeah. in Harvest Moon and like how you're growing things. But like Stardew, there's like some challenge to it with like how much money you're making. But you get pretty much like all the stuff pretty pretty quickly, like all the major stuff. I'd so you're say, not like, yeah. oh, I can't, I can't cook this thing because I have to sell all of these things like for the most money that their parts can make. Um, like you feel like it's okay to, you know, make some sushi rolls if you feel like it instead of selling your goldfish or whatever. Yeah, yeah, that's sort of like I like all all the games that I most enjoy that are kind of of like the Stardew or like item management simulators or whatever like that. Like um, 
what's 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 the one I'm thinking of? Um, like Reseteer, like that. Those games are just like fun because, I mean, ultimately it just kind of comes down to like, oh, do you want your character to enjoy a lovely frittata? Then like, feel free. Do you want to go through the thing where they eat everything? That's great. Go for that. Um, and they aren't like punishing you for being like, well, should have should have should have stockpiled eggs. Now you're gonna lose the farm. <laughs> You should have given your truffle oil to that guy. <laughs> oh, wow. You wasted your truffle oil. You didn't get one of those a game, and uh, now you lost the farm. <laughs> <laughs> um, on to our next question. Oh, exciting. Um, costume. Halloween costumes. <laughs> what is your favorite wearable items in games, or like the funniest wearable items? What's the most fun? Ooh, the most fun wearable item. Um... I think a full mask to, to just like go into the Halloween spirit. Like, I feel like if games really are into wearables, they, they eventually just get into the idea of like huge oversized impractical ones as well, no matter how serious the game is. And I think those are the best, like where it's like, I could have a giant bear mask on or something like that. I know people hate it and like think you're lame for doing it, but like, it's so fun to do. Um, it's a video game. Yeah, I know. Do what you want. <laughs> that and that's what that's what I like about it. I think where it's just like you know what I don't like. I'm not going to take this seriously. I'm just going to play this because it's fun. Like I my my character is going to look as stupid as possible. Um, it's either that or when in um, what I've been noticing playing uh, 14 is that like people at really high levels will often just find uh, like normal clothes, like normal person clothes. And uh, equip a glamour uh, on that, which is like, they'll just make it look like, I'm sure you know what I mean, but like what other people may not know. Um, it's like they equip a certain look to it. So you don't actually need to be, you know, the armor you're wearing doesn't have to look like the armor you're wearing. Um, and they just make all their armor look like normal person clothes. I really like that. Like, I like the idea of going into a dungeon dressed in like a comfortable polo and jeans. <laughs> so funny. <laughs> See, I hate that. I really? hate that in WoW. Yeah, I don't like that you can... Um, I don't mind that you can, like, transmog is what it's called mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. WoW. Um, I don't mind that you can change the look of, like, weapons, but I do miss... And I this goes back to, like, my Halloween seasonal stuff. I like that there's, like, certain patches and tiers of wow that have a certain look to them um Mm. so like whenever you're in the um the firelands patch of wow everyone was wearing like all the different class armor sets had fire to them and um oh cool and so like there was a like a definite look to each raid tier um and you could like identify like how progressed people were based off of like their class armor type and like what color it was. Oh, that's fun. And now it's like everyone's in like a bra and panties and terrain. And like, you can't really, there's no culture, cultural feel to the game at any certain time. Like it looks just the same today on live that it did whenever I stopped playing in like 20 you know, twenty sixteen. You see, that's a that's a that's a shame because I feel like the the reason that the the regular person clothes work um, in in uh, fourteen is because like it's not everyone. Like it'll be some people doing it. If it was everyone, it would be like, be like, come on, they're making all this cool armor. Won't you use it? 
Well, and they'll use old armor sets that they think are cool. So, like, oh, they really thought Tier 5 looked so cool. So, everyone's wearing, like, the same Tier 5 set. So, there's just, like, there's not that many people that are wearing the coolest stuff. And also because it could kind of reveal that you're not as progressed as other people. Like, if you don't have, like, the highest, like, uh, difficulty gear on, then, like, you know... And, like, not all your stuff is going to match until you've gotten the full set. So it doesn't look great for a while, but I like that look to it. I like the mismatch look while you're gearing up. But that's obviously a a personal preference. Many, many people love the transmog system. Many people have been talking about it more and more. (laughs) The transmogs, big fans of Trump. Big fans of Trump. Not really. (sighs) Well, anyway. Can I... (laughs) What other questions do we have? What other questions? Okay. Here's your next one. Elm Street. Every city has an Elm Street. They do. What what is a trope in video games that you actually enjoy? Like, what's something that you see in a lot of games, but you like it? That's a really good question. Um, Huh. Oh, that's a really good question. I'm trying to think. What do I like in video games? That's a good, that's a trope. Uh, yeah, I like, hmm, I like that, oh, here's one, I like that in every video game, like, except there are some that don't do this, obviously, and there have always been some that don't, obviously, that's the point of a trope, I guess, um, some things aren't, it's never truly universal, um, but one of the things, except Elm Street, I guess, is, but still, (laughs) more Broad Street or Main Street, but the, uh, the thing I like most about video games, or the trope I like most of video games, is that it's video games still use food to indi- like to, to 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 do health uh, restoration. Oh, like even when they have, even when games have like um, potions or whatever, you usually can find like a ham you can eat to to, to, to get better. <laughs> and I think that's so cool that like we have these like photorealistic games, but a lot of times it's like, here, eat this chocolate bar, you'll feel a lot better. Um, and it's just so strange. You're right to say it. Thank you. But I do love, like, you know, like, you're stuffing yourself full of food, and you're just like, yep, I'm all better. Feeling good. <laughs> <laughs> just ate an entire Thanksgiving dinner, feeling great. <laughs> yeah, it's like in, uh, in, in Dead Cells, there's a, you can find, uh, food in the walls, and sometimes they'll make, like, kind of sarcastic things, so like, wow, this looks like it's been here a while, but usually it's just, like toss away and it's just so funny to find like an entire turkey in the wall and it's like (laughs) great a whole turkey (laughs) this is perfect to eat in the middle of a dangerous dungeon yeah i love that trope actually because it's so it's so (laughs) it's so silly that's a great answer trev thank Thank you you for coming up with that so quick oh yeah no problem i i it there's there's so many good tropes in in games I, i feel like i feel like but a lot of them are just like are becoming ironic and that was when I was thinking about it, I was like, there's only one that's not ironic, and it's that. <laughs> that's the thing that games truly seem to believe would help you, is a giant ham. <laughs> um, hey, Liv, can I ask you, uh, what is the thing you're going to miss most about, um, aside from this this show, which I, I have already said you can keep doing afterwards, uh, or if I haven't said it out loud, <laughs> I'm saying it now out loud. Um, but, uh, aside from the show, what is the thing you will miss most about the Halloween season once it's over? Oh, um, 
probably other people talking about the things that I like anyway. Uh, like, I'm going to keep watching horror movies all year round, but I love that more people are talking about horror movies during this time or, like, are posting horror art because, like, a lot of times, like, you genre fiction, genre film, and definitely, like, horror art is not seen as... Um, as valuable or as like worthy of praise. I think like people who post horror art on Twitter are like not going to get the same kind of retweets as someone who's like posting something that's like very like upbeat and yeah. like, glamorous. Um, Agreed. So I like that there's more of an embrace of that during this season. So probably that and being able to see a little bit more of that around. Yeah, I agree. I think there's like, you know, one of the things that always has struck me as strange on Twitter is that um, Utility Lim is still, like, a, a truly beloved figure. And not that he makes bad – or they – I don't know who Utility Lim was, but not that they made bad posts or anything. I think their posts are fine. But they also do have, like, the the veneer of 2013 Twitter all over them. But, like, no one seems to be able to do scary Twitter very well. <laughs> So, like, it's, like, the one last, like, the last gasp of a, a good horror Twitter account other than, you know, like, 41 Strange or whatever. Um, mm. I feel like I feel like there needs to be more of that. I like that sort of, like, darker kind of, like, spooky Twitter. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I will miss that We're excited to see it. I, and, and you know what? I'll miss, I'll miss top ten lists of horror movies because they always give me good ideas of what to watch next. Mm-hmm. What's your uh, most anticipated horror movie that you want to watch? Oh boy, um, hmm. You know, I want to see. Um, I want to see Parasite. Um, I think that. I wouldn't really, It's not a horror movie, but it is very, very good. Okay. Um, it's thrilling, I guess, but it's not a. I I don't think anyone. I mean, I no. I think it's just a thrilling movie. I wouldn't consider it a horror movie i don't okay. know i don't know no uh but it's very very good let me see you know i didn't there's a lot of horror movies that i haven't seen and aren't like particularly horror movies so maybe i'll just say one that is like purely a horror movie that i want to see what would be a good one you know what i never got a chance to see was um was uh us is that what it's called the mm. the, the more recent mm-hmm. jordan peele movie um, mm-hmm. I'm interested in seeing that. That seemed pretty interesting. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> Jeez. Why don't you tell me what I should see? I'm getting, I'm getting under. No, us is, us is good. Us is good. Um, I think I just went into it with, I think it depends. I don't want to like spoil anything for anyone listening, but, um, I don't know. It's got kind of got that thing in movies where it's like, Everything is put in place for a particular reason, so anything you see in a shot is somehow meaningful, and it won't, mm. you know, it's like it has a lot of like internal references, and like it's really cool, um, and definitely very, very lovingly and well made. Um, but I think I just like went into it with like different expectations. I, I was expecting to be like surprised by something in the movie, and I wasn't surprised by anything in the oh, movie. So okay. I, I I was just like disappointed that way. But it's very good. So um, it was a trick. It was. <laughs> I, I think that's more my fault, and I think it's because I overthink things too. Like I'm, I don't know. Ooh, I have one more question for you. What was the scary? What was the most scared you've ever been in the theater by a movie? 
In the theater. I'll give you mine um, so I can think about it. Oh, whoa, do you not have to think about it? You can go ahead and give me yours. Okay, I, I thought, thought you would need to think, think about, about it, it, so I wanted to give you a chance. Um, but uh, mine was, and I thought of it because you were talking about psyching yourself out or like expecting too much, thinking too much into something. Um, I... I was most scared by the final scene, and it's ridiculous to say because it's not a particularly scary movie by today's standards. Um, but I was I was most scared by the final scene in uh, the Blair Witch Project, um, oh. largely because like I did not find the movie scary um, until then, and I was like, man, like this isn't scary. Nothing's let's get, like when's it gonna get scary? When's it gonna get scary? It's gonna get scary soon. It's gotta get scary soon. And that last scene is, like, legitimately scary. Um, and I was just so freaked out because I had, like, I really wanted something to scary to happen. And I kept, like, amping myself up for it. And then when it finally did, I was like, oh, it was too scary. <laughs> I watched that in, like, the middle of the day, um, like, in my bed. And, you know, it was not scary to me whenever I saw it. I also saw it in, like, the 2010s. So. Yeah, it's sort of, it's very much of its time. Like, I don't know, I don't know how it would even hold up uh, anymore. Yeah, I think it's still good. Um, and I think it would still definitely be scary for someone who hasn't watched, like, every horror movie she could. Yeah. Um, I think probably, like, I've been spooked by things more. Like, obviously, jump scares still get to me, but I don't really get scared watching movies anymore. The last time I remember really being scared by a movie was like The Strangers whenever I was a teenager because oh, like, yeah. Home Invasion was still scary to me, but that wasn't in the theaters. But Hereditary was um, probably like the most like horrifying movie experience that I had. Like I was horrified watching Hereditary and was like openly weeping and had to leave the theater. And that was like wow. a, a year or two ago. Um, but it's just like, is showing you like really horrible grief. And it was like, it was very, very affecting to me, but it wasn't scary. It was just like horrifying. Um, wow. Okay. If that makes sense. That's super interesting. I, uh, I've wanted to see hereditary. Now I don't know how much I do or how much I don't. That's uh, that, that throws that this is a wrench into the whole thing. It's a, it's a good movie. I don't know if I would say I like it. It's good. Um, it's very hard to watch. And I think you have to have like, the right mindset and like right energy going into it like i wouldn't watch it on like a when you're tired or having a bad day or anything like that i think you kind of have to be mentally prepared for it <laughs> just like oh man all i want is to just uh, go ahead and watch a horror movie i've had such a hard day and i'm just really sad about my family member who's not doing too well i watch this hereditary I movie <laughs> I would say if you're in that mood, then you should watch Midsummer, who's made, which is made by the same guy, oh. and I feel like was a very uplifting and optimistic horror movie, and it was like very bright and summery. Okay, and, um, I was very pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed that movie. And people definitely have a different reading on the movie than I do, but I found it very optimistic, and um, I feel like it's kind of like the. Um, healing potion to uh, hereditary it's kind of like the other half of hereditary <laughs> that's cool i uh i have not heard that reading of hereditary in midsummer i will i will check both out actually that sounds great yeah let me um anyone listening please let me know um i don't know if if anyone like feels that way too i guess i don't know you can tell Just me tell us tell want. us what movies you're enjoying it's, 
But since you mentioned Blair Witch Project, ah. what is a what is a game that like the hype really grabbed you that you played because of the hype? Wow, good question. Um, other than Death Stranding, uh, <laughs> uh, what game did I really play because of the hype? Yeah, that's a good question because like I really got into hype cycles far more back like when like videos of these games were like you'd have to go on IGN and like download them <laughs> like they, you know the choppy real player or whatever um I would say Final Fantasy 8 was a game that I got way more into the hype than I enjoyed the game like I was so excited for that game to come out I was like extremely into the idea of playing it i just could not wait and i never really liked it that much okay i guess less so like hype before the game okay and more so like you hear so many people talking about it that you like have to play oh the game that everyone's talking about oh that's a little different okay um what game did i play because of the hype of everyone talking about it um good question uh, that was kind of like the Blair Witch appeal was like, every, yeah. I mean, I guess that was beforehand too, but like, man, everyone was so convinced that was a real documentary. Yeah. And that was like, yeah, that was the whole thing. People were just like, oh, what is like, what is this? What do we, what can we make of it? It's amazing. Like, it's super like, is it real? Is it not real? Um, I think I bought into the hype of, um, of people playing it with, um, you play the game Thumper. No. So Thumper is a um, is a rhythm game. It's very strange. Um, it was put to, a lot of the music, and it was written by one of the guys from uh, Lightning Bolt. If you know that band, um, it's like it's very very good, and it's very very unique. And if you talk to anyone about Thumper, like most, if they've played it, they'll just be like, "Oh yeah, you got to go play Thumper." Um, but like the game itself doesn't look special, so like it took me an extremely long time to try it. And I finally tried it on my phone and I like started. I was like, I'll see what this is all about. Like four hours later, I looked up from my phone and I was like, "Uh Oh, (laughs) apparently the PC version is even better. But um, yeah, that's, that's a game I definitely played because of the hype. Um, Do you have any? I don't know. I feel like I'm actually the opposite of this. Like, I was, like, excited to play the Untitled Goose game, and then everyone was talking about it. And, like, I saw, like, a million memes of it immediately, and I was like, oh, my gosh. I, I can't play this game until people stop talking about yeah, it. Yeah, I felt because, the same like, right way. Now I'm just, um, there's too many people talking about it. I was anti-Goose yeah. game. Not anti-Goose game. That's, that's, that's rude, because the people who made it seemed very nice. Um, but I was skeptical of Goose game until... I was skeptical of Goose Game until uh, Ian Bogost uh, became very obnoxious about Goose Game. And then I was like, you know what? Defend a... Goose Game. <laughs> it was such a horrible, horrible take. But then I did start playing the Goose Game. And I was like, oh, I feel like I'm doing chores, but I don't want to think this because that guy said it was work to play video games. Yeah, that's right. And I did feel like I was doing chores. I didn't really, I haven't had that much fun playing it yet. I, I've talked to a lot of people who aren't, like, all that, um, who aren't all that, like, 
Or I was talking to Andrew about it, and he was like, I don't think I'm very good at Goose Game. Like, I don't think I'm good at I don't this think, game. I don't think I am either, and I think that I don't like... I don't know. I, I don't like the same thing about it that I don't like about Dark Souls. It's like, I kind of know what I have to do, and then it's like, it just takes so much time to do the thing that I already know I have to do. Um, that it feels like a... Yeah, it feels like a chore. You know what I heard it's about like Dark Souls? like whenever you're like running back and like grinding through it. I heard the Dark Souls <laughs> is, is, is pay to win. You pay and your wife wins. That's true. I don't know where you heard that from. Uh, from someone that, very whoever, smart. Whoever said that must be very, very funny. Yeah, no, super um, funny too. <laughs> um, all right, you ready for your next one? I am. All right, your next one is about Candyman. Oh, Wait, the movie Candyman or Candy? Well, these are just prompts. Oh, okay, so, like, okay, I gotcha, like gotcha. Okay, yeah, 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 right, right. Prompt, okay. yeah, I hear you. Okay, so inspired by Candyman. <laughs> Very good movie, Candyman. Um, Hit film, Candyman. Clive Barker's just, like, racking them up this episode. He um, always is at Halloween time. Uh, R.I.P. Clive Barker. <laughs> Um, mourn you till I join you. <laughs> to like, to like cross the rainbow bridge as well. <laughs> <laughs> Clive Barker, my my beloved pet. <laughs> anyway, Candyman, what is your favorite? And this kind of goes along with the "Are you afraid of the after dark?" theme. What is your favorite like urban legend about a video game? So not necessarily a creepy possible. What's your favorite like myth about a video game? Kind of creepy pasta, I, I guess. I have two, and like it should come as zero surprise that. Um, I mean, the one that isn't like uh, very teenage boy coded is uh, that if you downloaded Missing No in uh, Pokemon, it would ruin your cartridge instantly. You could you couldn't play your save anymore. Um, I don't know if that was. It true. could mess it up. You could it? Is that was that a true myth? You couldn't put it in your party. You couldn't like use it. I don't think you were supposed to catch it. You were not there supposed was something to catch that, like, it. Yeah, there was like something. Yeah, I don't think you were supposed to catch it. Like you were supposed to like go to the place where missing no spawn to like multiply your items, but I don't think you were supposed to catch missing no. There was there was something I'm missing now, and I always found that kind of fascinating because it was just like all rumor. But um, the two things that I remember being the funniest urban legends are both. When I say Teen Boy Coded, it's because they were just both about like cheats to get nudity in games, um, <laughs> which boys were truly like well and truly obsessed with. All teen boys are obsessed with getting nudity in video games. Uh, now I do cheat codes to get the nudity out of video oh games. Oh boy, and that's why we live in a society. <laughs> but but like the like honestly like the worst games for nudity too. Like I the the one I the one I remember trying to do was and this is one of them was um uh for Goldeneye. Mm-hmm. I was like you had to get through the dam without firing a shot and um. It was just a. It was a. It was an elaborate troll because you could not beat the dam without firing a shot. Uh, you had to blow the blow a um, lock off of a of a gate. There was no way to get through it, so it was very frustrating. You couldn't get the nude cheese. Wow, that's such a, a poignant metaphor. Mm-hmm. But my favorite mem- my favorite actual like rumor about this stuff was uh, it, there was like a rumor that there was an NES game 
uh, based on Nightcrawler, the X Man. Um, mm-hmm. That <laughs> and the the point of the NES, or the point of this this game, I guess, was you were Nightcrawler and you fought these robots. Um, but all the robots were women, um, and just like just like in the comics, um, and uh, just a reference to how badly Marvel writes women. I guess um, I don't know if they still write women badly. They did that. But um, uh, the rumor was if you punched a woman robot, uh, all of her clothes would fly off, <laughs> except her underwear. And then if you punched her again, her bra would come off. And so as a result, Ooh. this game was banned by the by Nintendo. You couldn't play. <laughs> and as far as I can tell, this is not a real game. What a great story to make up. I know, it's so good. Of all the things that you could make up about a Nightcrawler video game, is that you punch a woman's bra. <laughs> it's so good. It, like, a complete misunderstanding of what is appealing about sexuality and also what is how bras work. Like, truly shocking. And, like, what Nightcrawler is, even. There's nothing about teleportation or anything. It's like, man, very bad. You ready? I'm ready. You ready for it? I'm ready. I'm, I'm, I'm champing at the bit. Okay. Inspired by one of my favorite horror movies, actually. Probably, like, the earliest one that I remember being, like, of my time. Okay. Blair Witch Project was kind of, like, at, around the same time and, like, kind of, like, set in my childhood. But inspired by Scream. Ooh. What is your favorite video game that has something to say about video games? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, favorite video game that has something to say about well, actually, I have a funny, I have a funny answer. Um, I, I would, I would say like this is not the answer I would have given even you know two weeks ago before I finished this game. But um, I think my favorite game that has something to say about video games of late is um, Metal Gear Solid Two. Uh, because of how brazen it is in setting you up, uh, and ha- because it knows that, and I won't, I mean, the twist is now however many, 20 years old or whatever, but it's a good twist. <laughs> uh, but like, the way it sets you up and the way it delivers on it is so funny because like, the only way you wouldn't see the twist coming is if you're a gamer and you're just like, well, this is how game games work. They're all the same. Like, I don't care. Like, it's, a, it's another Metal Gear game. I'm not going to like, look at any of these coincidences. And basically, when they reveal the twist, they're just like, you idiot, didn't you notice these coincidences? (laughs) And, like, if you're just playing the game, like, half, like, half asleep or whatever, you'll never see any of them. And that, that kind of made me think about, like, how many games I play where, like, Mega Man games that I love, but every game has nine bosses and there's Dr. Wily. Like, why would that be the case? It's very strange. Like, even as they start having, like, (laughs) continuity and... Like, there's the Mega Man X games and stuff. It's like, what is going on here? Like, why, why is this always the same? Um, so that that is one that actually made me think quite a bit about video games in a, in a, a productive way recently. And also kind of in a Scream way, I would say. It's very Scream. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Like, it kind of turns the camera around. Do you have one that you have played recently? Oh, I'll ask you a different question. Have you played a game recently that has scared you in a way you didn't expect? Um, 
I mean, the escape room game, it's like anything, any, the, movies cannot scare me and books cannot scare me, but video games still can because <laughs> there's something about like the, the audio quality to them that's like the surrounding audio. It's like, it can spook me so easily and like, I don't know what it is about, um, playing video games and like being inside the world. And like, if I go to like a haunted house, like I'm still scared, like if it's like a real life, um, mm scary situation so i guess that is what it is about video games but even playing that escape room game like there was like a bomb going off behind me as i left that escape room and i was like oh, i don't know I don't, I don't like it it's just the i don't like it in surround sound i don't think it would scare me if i didn't have headphones on the soothing australian tones of daniel calming you <laughs> what is your favorite australian accent I, I actually i don't know the differences so it's a bad There's, question they're they're not as um, regionally different as, like, a United States accent can be. Oh, uh, okay. I think there's more, like, rural versus city than anything. Hmm. So they're all kind of, okay. Well, that's how it goes. Um, and that's a scary that's story of its scary. own, thinking about all that those is. people with the same accents. <laughs> they're just... They all sleep in one big bed. <laughs> they do. Everyone in Australia, all seven people there. And if you move there, it'll be eight. Wow. The latency on these talks is going to be so them. bad. You probably shouldn't. <laughs> uh, <laughs> do you have any more questions? Are there any more lightning rounds? Um, I had one last question for Ooh, you. I'm excited. Lay it on me. What? What is your favorite horror movie that you think would make for a good video game? Or is like a setting for a video Ooh, game? a good horror movie for a video game. That's a great joke. That's a great joke. That's a great <laughs> Oh, God, I need to go to sleep again. Um, that's a really good question. I think, hmm, horror movie that would make a good setting for a video game. Oh, there's a lot of really good options. Um I'd really like to see like a a reimagining of like those old like sort of like Alien Isolation where that's like a um a reimagining of those clock tower games where you kind of have to hide from the bad guy and you can't always fight them. Um I'd love to see that with something like very kind of like outsized and strange like um oh what's that what's that movie called um I'm not gonna be able to think of it. It's it's on the tip of my Describe tongue. Describe it. Mm, it's like uh, no, I'm not gonna be able to name it. I'll I'll come up with a different one. Like, 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 uh, completely strange or like out there or or um spooky like poltergeist or something like that. Where like the the bad thing might have a manifestation, but it's so or like house or something like that. Right? Where like not the Japanese mm. house, which also would make a really good video game. Oh, um, but. Uh, like the house where it's like, you know, the cheesy uh, haunted house movie, like those kinds of things where there's like a very loose and general uh, feeling of fear that uh, kind of sublimates into you kind of like running and hiding all the time. I think that would make for a actually an even more successful uh, video game than a movie. Hmm. Interesting. Well, thank you. I think that um, just like thinking along those lines is um, like the. Did you see the new Suspiria? I did not see the new Suspiria. 
Mm. Well, the new Suspiria, like what I was going to say from it is just that it um, talks really a lot more about the the setting. Like it's also in a, a dance school, but they the dance school is much more important in the new Suspiria than it really was in the original. It was like kind of just like a loose setting in the first okay. one. Um, but like there's more of like the dancing and the dance is actually like important to the movie in the new Suspiria, which is very good as well. Um, but just like kind of along those lines of like a more, like a dance school doesn't seem like inherently scary. And like, I would like to see more like horror games in a setting that isn't inherently scary. And there just seems to be something off about it, which I feel like you almost get in like a Nancy Drew game Ooh, where yeah. like whenever I played those, whenever I was a kid, I was so scared and there was like nothing going on. Those are really um, but it scary. It felt like anything could happen. Like I was in like a giant Snowden ski resort and like, it felt like anything could happen. Um, and yeah, it's just like spooky and gothic. Um, and that's what you were saying earlier about gothic novels. It's just like, it's honestly more unsettling to never see anything um, outright and just like have like an eeriness about everything. Yeah, no, exactly. Like it, it's it's like why Wuthering Heights is a little scary where it's like, oh, uh, like, like di- or I'm trying to think of like dying of a broken heart or like being rained on through a broken window or something like that. Like it's so obviously melodramatic and crazy and, and over the top, but it's also like, Oh man, that's really spooky. (laughs) That's just like very affecting. I think we are saying now that Northanger Abbey is the metal gear solid two of it. That's true. No, that's I, 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 I 100% support that. (laughs) Unironically. Is Jane Austen the Kojima of her time? That's my first take. (laughs) Honestly, yes. She she did such a great job. Kojima said Jane Austen writes, and honestly, he was right, too. Yeah, I agree. Um, <laughs> gosh, yeah. But, like, or, like, Jane Eyre. Jane Eyre was very uh, frightening. Yeah, Jane Eyre is scary. I think, like, what other books are really... Like, there's a... Oh, what's his name? I'm gonna... I'm gonna drift off here, because I'm gonna look at my bookshelf. Um... I'm not going to find him. Um, there's a, a 19th century American writer who writes these like very, very weird pieces. I mean, I feel like like the the weird sort of like lost Arthur authors like um, uh, uh, Connor Southard, friend of both of ours. Connor Southard uh, mm-hmm. was posting about um, Walpole on the timeline. And I was like, oh, oh wow, yeah, I read Walpole. I read Castle of Otranto last month, um, and that's definitely, like, there's, you see some stuff in that. Like, it kind of felt like a Scooby-Doo episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, like, like Wilkie Collins or someone, like, that writes, like, Wilkie Collins, very, yes, uh, absolutely. Um, sensational books. Yeah. Yeah, I like those a lot. I like them because they try things, like, they and they go big because they don't have any sort of, like, model for what they should be <laughs> so they, they're just like well all right uh let's just let's just keep keep writing keep, keep making that storm bigger <laughs> like like Wuthering Heights is one of the most like important books uh of of like the 18th and 19th centuries and probably of all time and the the main like villain in it is just like someone the dad finds in a town <laughs> they're like I found him we're taking him home it's like, all right, 
<laughs> go with it. <laughs> and I feel like Wuthering Heights is so important because it's like a whole novel where like none of the characters are really likable. Like, yeah. None of them are great people. No, and you're just not like, at all. All right. Let's see how this turns out. <laughs> I think like Heathcliff is probably the least likable, but you also have to feel bad for Heathcliff of all the stuff he had to deal with. I don't know. It's bad. It's uh, But it's also really good. Like, it's a great novel. I think everyone should read it. Um, I did a seminar on it one time when I was uh, TAing for a professor, and it probably is my favorite bit of teaching I've ever done. So I have a soft spot for it. Yeah. I just, I'm glad that Kate Bush wrote it down on paper. Uh, yeah. And, you know, she was right to do so. I'm glad, <laughs> I'm glad that she, um, that she was putting it on. I, do you think do you, putting them on the map. Do you think there could be a Wuthering Heights novel without Kate Bush's Wuthering Heights? Or had Kate Bush never written Wuthering Heights, would retroactively the novel also go away? I think that she I think that she tricked many, many people into thinking Wuthering Heights was gonna be like a love story mm-hmm. when it's not really a love story. Like if you wanna if that's what you're wanting out of the book, then I think you're going to be very disappointed. Oh, yeah. No, I think I think that's absolutely true. <laughs> um, I think if that's what you're expecting out of the book or the song, you're going to be very disappointed. Yeah. Although, you may know better about Kate Bush than me, but that seems to be the case in both. I Yeah, I mean, Wuthering Heights is 100% not a love story, the novel itself. Um, and if you expect it, it is, as you say, disappointing. I'm just going to repeat what you said. That seems to be a good strategy. You're smart. Thank you. I think you're also going to be like, why are we following these kids? I don't care about these kids. <laughs> oh, I do. I care about that weird kid they found in town. <laughs> What's this guy's deal? <laughs> I love the frame story in Weathering Heights where, like, the neighbor just comes in and he's like, what are, what's all this stuff written on the walls of this bed? <laughs> That's the part where, it, like, it lost me the first few times that I tried to read it. It's like, what? Gosh. Man, that book's so good. Ugh. People should just go read that book. We should have a reading club about that book. Um, I will have a reading club about anything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well. Liv, thank Do you have any Halloween questions for me? Oh, uh, let me think. I definitely have one. Um, you don't have I do. to. What's your favorite candy? Um, I'm not huge on sweets. I like Sour Patch Kids. They're one of the only, like, Great. popular candies that I can eat, and I like sour things. So, I guess Sour Patch Kids. Sour Patch Kids are great. Um, I really like, uh, I think one of my favorites are, um, one of my favorite things are, uh, what are they called? Oh, yeah, gummy worms. Like the, but like the sour gummy worms, like Sour Patch or uh, Trolley or whatever, like they make worms that just, I could eat bags and bags and bags of them. Yeah. Um, I can't eat those. You can't? No, they have gelatin. Oh, them, right. So I have to eat Sour Patch There's kids. no vegan version of, wait, Sour Patch Kids also have gelatin in them? No, Sour Patch Kids use fruit pectin as its gummy. Um, which I don't understand why everything can't just use that. Sour Patch Kids obviously nailed it. Hmm. But no, gummy worms all have like gelatin in them. Yeah, I think it's that's so weird to me that. Well, 
Also, those little pumpkin candies. You know, like those little marshmallowy pumpkin candies. Yeah. I mean, marshmallows have gelatin in them, so like that's why the pumpkins have gelatin in them. But so, like, all that needs to be is sugar. Just make it like a colored sugar block. It doesn't need gelatin in it. I mean, I. No one would know the difference. I completely agree with you. <laughs> I think that's absolutely correct. I don't. I don't know. Like, I. I don't know why there's not. Like, from both an empathetic and also from, like, a business person standpoint, like, why wouldn't you have, why wouldn't you, why wouldn't you just, like, open up that market? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great final question, Trevor. Thank you. I love it, too. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for being such a wonderful host. Thank you for being such a wonderful host. Oh. I'm, it's my pleasure. Well, have me back soon. Uh I, I hope that you will join um, join me again on Are You Afraid of the After Dark? After Dark! <laughs> Happy Halloween, everyone. Happy Halloween! Good night! Good night.